Hello, Floresville United Methodist Church. This is Pastor Adam. We are glad to have you here with us for our very first podcast. Um, We are doing a podcast following our series that we just started called Disneyed, um, in which we are looking at biblical virtues of a hero as understood through the eyes of Disney princesses. So as we do that today, we are are blessed to be um, getting to sit down with our guest preacher for today, Reverend Jackie Lorette from Fredericksburg UMC, um, who preached on Rapunzel, and so we are excited to have her join us and, and kind of go a little bit more in-depth about her message. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Is there someone else here with us? Yeah. Why, why are you not introducing me, guy? Well, we, I said we were excited to have Jackie. I said nothing about being, <laughs> I didn't want to lie. You know what I think it is? I think it's because I don't have uh, long, flowing blonde hair. Uh, that's probably... Neither do I. I'm rocking the end of the movie Rapunzel. There you go. That's Short brunette. That's what's yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I didn't make that connection until right now. That's a... Uh, she's it was, clever, man. We got to be careful. I don't know that I'm. I don't know that my mic is on. Can you hear Your me? Your mic is on. I can. My hear mic you. is okay. Good. So you all can hear me. I all can't right, hear myself uh, anymore. Those of you listening, that's our first technical difficulty of. Uh, Adam can't hear himself. <laughs> I can't hear me. Awesome. I, I'm excited. I didn't know this was the the inaugural podcast. Oh yeah, no pressure. Congratulations. No this pressure is the at first. All, <laughs> I can uh, set the tone. Our budget for this is very much determined on how you do. So right. don't don't uh. No pressure. Sounds yeah. good. So if I tank this, then I can get some equipment on the cheap. No. Pretty much. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm going I'm to scalp this stuff and sell it super high margins. <laughs> All right. I guess That I'll was try. Reverend Kelly Conkleton of Floresville UMC. We didn't introduce him earlier. <laughs> oh, dang it. You finally introduced me. Now I'm in yeah, trouble. Jackie, would All you right. tell us a little bit about yourself and coming come in? Yeah. Um, again, my name is Jackie Lorette. I'm associate pastor at Fredericksburg United Methodist Church. I uh, served there with uh, our lead pastor, George Lumpkin, and uh, I live up there with my husband, Chris, and our three awesome little boys, um, Josiah, Silas, and Noah, and they are respectively 11, 8, and 7. Um, So they're awesome. They keep me on my toes. I don't see, I don't watch as many princess movies probably with Mm -hmm. three boys. Sure. It's more like Ninja Turtles and... Uh, it's just a different style of princess movie. Ju- yeah, just like the, whatever's gross. Like, they want to watch whatever's gross. But, uh, but I still, uh, like, anything anything in that fantasy genre, is all, I eat up. So I, I had a background. You know, I had a background in the princess movies. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited uh, to join on this uh, series because I love y'all. But also the lineup is awesome. You've got some excellent, excellent guest preachers. We were very lucky in getting a lot of commitments from some good, some, some really great preachers. Yeah, yeah. So the, I think the best is yet to come, but I'm excited to, I'm excited to talk about today's sermon. I've, I've always found that you don't have to be good at something if you know people who are better than you at it. Yeah. And they're willing to help. And uh-huh. case in point, Jackie. I mean, Adam's fantastic, but, you know. And humble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm really excited to come in and talk about this because y- you both preached. You know, pro- you probably know the experience where 
you preach a sermon and then it's over on the Sunday and then you've still got sermon brain where like the themes and the passage and everything like that world is still kind of percolating in your mind and you're like oh man I wish I had thought of this or I wish I could have delved more into that uh, so I don't have to do woulda coulda shoulda this week I can actually talk about whatever else came up yeah and for, for those of you who haven't yet heard the sermon, you should go to the Floresville UMC Facebook page to catch um, Reverend Jackie's sermon. But Jackie this week preached on Rapunzel and Galatians 3 and 4, the identity of us as heirs of Christ and children of God. I did. Uh, and it's just kind of, yeah, go to the website and, and check it out if you haven't, but... Uh, just as as a quick summary, I, I tried to tie it into my own experience and my own understanding of my identity. Uh, and I don't think that this is unique to me, and I don't think that it's unique to women or folks who, who grew up watching princess stories. I think we're all, that's a big part of our life journey is saying, who, who am I? Who was I made to be? Who am I destined to be, if anything? Um, and as we all know, the world has plenty of answers locked and loaded. You're a consumer. You are a fighter. You are this. You are that. And um, so I just thought that I would, I would explore that theme because that's exactly what I, I believe. That's exactly what Paul is addressing in Galatians. There are these, these new converts, these Gentile converts to Christianity and while Jesus is telling them, you are part of this family, you are my children, you are redeemed, these agitators come in and they say, well, you're still on the outside until you convert, essentially convert to Judaism first. Um, and the big uh, hot button issue was circumcision, but it was, a, it, it was not just that issue, it's a symptom of of the whole mindset. Do you, uh, does Jesus get you all the way in or does your assent to certain practices get you all the way in? So um, I made that connection uh, with Rapunzel, with uh, the movie Tangled, because Rapunzel is, she is awesome, she's creative, she's fun, she's all sorts of things, and she believes that she's kind of weak and she believes that she's garbage and it's because she has this this uh sort of malevolent force in her life of the under the the character of mother gothel who is so subtly and sneakily feeding her this narrative of you're not enough you don't belong the world will chew you up and spit you out and she really internalizes that until kind of what i see is the climactic moment of the movie where she realizes that she's not garbage and she's not weak. In fact, she's royalty. In mm -hmm. fact, she's the missing princess. And um, as I said in the sermon, what, what really excites me about that scene, that realization, is how none of her circumstances change. That's one of the that's one of the narratives I think of the world is well buy this or go here or do that or marry this person or to change your circumstances to somehow achieve that peace with who you are and for Rapunzel none of her circumstances change but when she realizes that she's a daughter of the king and queen she her whole life changes 
and it, it never goes back. So, right, right. Uh, that's it. Was such good stuff to to kind of draw that that um, epiphany realization. And uh, Jackie and I were talking about how that seems to be a running theme throughout the movie uh, Tangled, that we have characters who at the beginning portray a certain characteristic that they believe they should live into or that they feel like they need to live into when that's not their true identity and the true identity gets teased out and pulled out and realized by the end of the movie. Yeah, and I recognize that with Eugene mm-hmm. um, because he's this. he starts off as this scoundrel, like kind of... I don't know what he's doing some sort of performative masculinity thing. And then, and then he realizes that like, it's okay that he's kind of a nerd and that he, he like reads sweet books and cries and, and he can be that and also be really cool. He, you know, he kind of gets to be at peace with who he is, but you are so much more incisive than, than I was. Cause you, you pointed out that all these other characters, like the chameleon and the, and mother Gothel and like everybody in this story is trying to figure out who they are. I love so so parallel that I kind of uh, so so like Jackie. Uh, I'm a Disney princess connoisseur. Um, uh, even though I have a son, uh, he sings all of Elsa's songs, Good. part one and part two, as all people should. I, no, uh, make it stop. <laughs> uh, but but um, but something I love about the character of Rapunzel, right in the movie, is that. Um, she seems to be this gravitational force in the movie, which is like every protagonist that we write, right? It's like everything revolves around their story. But as Rapunzel is figuring out who she is and what she's allowed to be, right? She's needing that permission. That's the climactic moment you're talking about where it's like it all clicks and she's like, oh, I'm me. That's who I am. That's where I've been lacking, right? Is everybody else alongside her also gets to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Remember when they go to the bar, Oh, sorry. <clears throat> the Ugly Duckling, where they only drink water. Sorry for kids who are listening to this podcast. <laughs> but but it's full of all the like rowdy ruffian dudes, right? right? And they all have a dream. Yeah. My favorite one's the big dude that makes the unicorn things kiss. Yeah. He's like and collects ceramic. But they're unicorns. all talking about what they actually want to be, not where they currently are at. And right. I think that's just to your point about how you brought up, you know, Paul and Galatia. And talking to these people about, no, 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 no. You're not lacking because Jesus gets you there. Yeah. Rapunzel's reminding all these people that, like, no, then go do it. Yeah. Like, go be yourself. And right. it's, I think it's a fascinating and really well done, Jackie, contrast to uh, taking a scriptures that were written thousands of years ago and finding relevant uh, media that even people like me can understand. <laughs> and, and, it, and it makes sense. Um, now I want to, I want to point you towards something that I, I mean, not that there wasn't multiple parts of your sermon that I really loved, uh, but my favorite part of it was when you talked about Genesis three in comparison to, uh, what the people in Galatia were dealing with. And you mentioned that the temptation that is presented to Adam and Eve is essence in essence of God is holding out on you. Yeah. And I'm then to totally out myself. I have never in my life ever heard somebody bring up Genesis 3 and further the point with that statement. Uh-huh. So to me, this is like not just a transformative moment for me, but I was like, oh, Getty, I like it. Uh, but I think it was really profound, and I'd love to hear more about that from you. Yeah, um, I guess 
I guess for me it goes because that's arriving there at that understanding of Genesis 3, that's been a long journey for me. Um, I wasn't able to go into it really in the sermon, but uh, I, I grew up in a, in a faith tradition and a church tradition that really hammered home a certain identity of, well, we're all kind of garbage. Like we're all horrible sinners at core. And then God is mad at us, but he won't totally destroy us if we say this prayer and do, do it. Like that's the schema. Okay. That's what I came up with. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, oh yeah. So I was on social media this morning and I saw this video that, that irritated me uh, because I get, I get as angry as anybody on social media, but I usually don't argue. (laughs) I usually (laughs) hold back, but, but uh, it was the same thing. It was somebody, a well-meaning guy who I know, he was saying uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, to know the good news, we have to start with the bad news. And I think that that's, and so he went to Romans 3.23 and all have sinned and it's all, and I, I believe that. I believe Romans 3.23. I affirm that. But I think it's so uh, revisionist, I guess, and has it's such a low view of scripture to say the canon is wrong. It shouldn't have started with Genesis 1. It should have started with Romans 3.23 because this is how we wrap our minds around it. No, the, the, the scriptures start with God created the heavens and the earth and he said it was good. God could not stop raving about this wonderful creation. And so we see through that lens we see that redemptive scope of scripture. We see that narrative being a story of restoration of something that was good rather than um, a type of, I don't know, uh, just a reimagining of something that's bad. So uh, that, that for me frames all of scripture is that we have a good and beautiful God who made a good creation and no matter what happens, and some real awful stuff has happened, mm. that God will go to any lengths to make it right. To I'll, so I'll use the Lord of the Rings terminology. Since she's Adam's pointing at Adam right now, yes, as she should be. Um, Adam's a resident Hobbit. The the uh, Aragorn. Thank you. <laughs> the audacity to believe that everything sad can come untrue, mm-hmm. right? Like, can yeah. is God smart enough and loving enough and awesome enough to do that? And I had never, like I said, this is a journey for me, and I'm getting there. This is a journey for me because I grew up with this very small view of God, of somebody who's, who's powerful enough to smush me and angry enough at me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a revelation to me for, uh, of, from like wonderful teachers and, and the Holy Spirit as well, a revelation to me that, no, God is wonderful, and if there's a lie, if there's a pernicious lie at the, at the root of every temptation and every sin, it's that you've got to grasp onto this yourself because God is holding back. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, that's exactly the script of the serpent in Genesis 3. You've got to grasp this yourself because God is holding back. God is holding out on you. There's this little, mean, powerful God who's trying to keep you from being your best. And if that's the pernicious lie at the heart of every temptation and every sin, then uh, the, I think that that's 
that's freeing. That makes the gospel actually good news. That that lie is not going to win the day. No force of evil is going to win the day. That God's going to get God's good creation back. Amen. I think that's that's so powerful because I, I think so often um, in the church we are we are tempted by by the by I would call it also a lie that we get fixated on the post Genesis three world that we forget that the gospel brings us to Genesis two again. Yeah. That's the, the the goal is to is, is that Jesus restores what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, every aspect of his life is about reclaiming good. Yeah. You know, by being born of a woman, he reclaims good. Right. By, by having human interactions, he reclaims good. By, right. by living with human emotions, and this is something that uh, Kelly has said multiple times, even anger and sadness and heartbreak, he re- Jesus experienced those things, so he's reclaiming good. In the midst of those things, I think that is a tremendous um, insight yeah. there, Jackie. Well, it's so cool that you that you brought that up. You know, in Jesus' life and ministry, um, yeah, it plays that out. I think it was re- even regarding his miracles. I think it was uh, Jürgen Moltmann who said that I don't like how we talk about Jesus' miracles as being supernatural. In fact, they're the they're the most natural thing in this broken world mm. in a fallen and broken world that what Jesus does is he brings that reconciliation and healing and those acts of mercy and feeding and making the world what what it once was and what it it will be again he's starting to knit that back together and that his miracles are natural yeah that's great oh I love that so I'm I'm uh as my my two colleagues my brother and sister here in the faith are talking about uh very uh well-articulated and eloquent things about the gospel. I'm going to bring it back to children's movies. Let's do it. Totally derail it. So um, we're talking about faith and state of being. And um, so a word that I use a lot is I call it permission. And so one of the things that fascinates me, like you and the thread that you've been pulling at in Genesis and kind of the theme, like the thematic structure of scripture, right, is that it's like God's come to us to go, listen, you have permission to just be. Mm. Like, I love you as you are, and I say this a lot in this office, and at other places as we're talking where I say phrases like, um, you know, we're so obsessed with where we're going to go that we, we refuse to be okay with where we are. Yeah. Right? Like, it's this lie of complacency. It's this lie of, like, not moving in a direction. It's this lie of, like, we're inadequate or we're sinners or we're this horrible thing somewhere. So, like, where we're currently at is not good enough to be where we're supposed to go. It's yeah. like the fascination of like, God doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He want, God wants to bring you somewhere different as opposed to God is equipping you where you're at now so that you can make it through where you're currently at. Whether that's a season of difficulty, whether it's a, um, a season of providence and, and, and things are good, right? And you're like, oh man, like, like uh, the season I'm currently about to walk into is, you know, nine years of my wife working 60-hour work weeks. Man, I'm getting emotional. Mm-hmm. And like studying for school, doing full-time work for a master's degree and then studying for this test. And it's been nine years of our lives. It's done Mm -hmm. yesterday. Right. And so my son, y'all didn't know this. I didn't tell you this yet. Last night or yesterday, Amanda calls my, my mother-in-law and Kelly's there. And his prayer last night was literally this dear mom, please pass your test. So you don't have to do homework anymore. Mm. And then we call him 
and he starts freaking out. He's rolling around, throwing his feet in the air, going, I get to hang out with my mom. And, yeah. and so with Back to the Kids movies mm-hmm. and these types of things, uh, the reason I love that you picked Rapunzel so much is because her state of being was never lacking. It was just misinformed. Yes. And as soon as it clicks, she's angry at the right things. Mm-hmm. She handles herself appropriately. She still acts with mercy and grace and understanding until there's lines that are crossed and then, you know, forget Mother Gothel, push her out of her window so she falls out of a tower. But there's this thing where as we have these epiphanies and the ahas with God, uh-huh. where we realize God's not a bully, God isn't putting up with us because God can't stand us, but I guess I don't want to restart it again, <laughs> right? But there's this, desi- this desire on God's end and that God meets us where we're at and that we're good as we're intended to be, mm-hmm. um, is a really powerful thing, Jackie, that like in my getting to know you, you have a really a fantastic way of sharing that, not just with your expressive nature, but also with your personality and, and how you interact with people. Final point. Um, something else that I love about just the theme of the scripture and, and, and what you taught today to us um, is that there's this there's this sinister lie right that um you know Jesus is so far away from us mm-hmm. that our our created state is so lacking that like we just we're just so abysmal and bad that like doing anything remotely close to what Christ did is is arrogance huh. and i I'll say it in public on this podcast so everybody can like, if you want to send angry emails, send them to mine, not anybody else's here. (laughs) None of them knew this was coming. I think the exact opposite is actually true. I don't think it's that God is angry at us and hates us. I think the arrogance of God's creation is that we won't receive that. Mm. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, greater things than than I, you will do. Well, time out. I'm not going to go die on a cross for people because uh, sometimes people make me really mad. That's why I became a pastor. Uh, (laughs) But when we talk about raising the dead, Uh we talk about healing, we talk about loving people well with like this this thing that doesn't come from a thing that we knew before we met Jesus, Uh right? This is what Jesus, I think, is telling us to go do is that these are, this is the normal. Jesus isn't, isn't just humanity perfective. Jesus' humanity is normalized with a functioning relationship with creation and with the creator. And, it's, and he lives this out in this way where the hardest part for us is that, or like there's things in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm really lacking. But it's, Jesus is like, listen, come with me and we will do these things together. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. So the analogy that pops into my head for that is, again, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Because all good things flow back. The character of Gandalf, when, when, when he has fought, faced the Balrog demon and, and kind of fought the, the battle, and he's overcome, and he comes back to them. And the first thing they think is that he's this other wizard named Saruman who's dressed all in white and was supposed to be the wisest and strongest. 
And they, they call Gandalf Sauron, and he goes, I am Sauron, or rather, Sauron as he should, should have, have been. been. Yeah. I feel like, you know, Jesus is humanity as we should have been. Yeah. Um, but also, Kelly's a heretic, so we're going to take him out and burn him. <laughs> um, you know. So have no the, fear, anybody who has a complaint. The inaugural <laughs> and only episode. Oh, man. I feel uh, doubly honored. Jackie, you want some equipment? We got you. Yeah. Uh, so well, I, th- this is what I'd like to do uh, to kind of to wrap us up and to, and to close us here. Um, Adam, I'd like to, you to share some final thoughts, and then I'll share some final thoughts. And then, Jackie, I would love it if you just gave us whatever else you have. Okay. Um, and then we'll, we'll pray out, and then yeah. we'll. Because I have some thoughts about permission. Yes, go ahead, go ahead. Let's no, go do that. Oh, no, okay. no, no, you oh, first. Go ahead. No, I just, th- I, I thought it was awesome that you brought that up. And I'm going to, um, okay, so I'm going to bring in some social theory here a little bit. Um, that I, And I know you've experienced this, both of you, in your own way. We all do. But it's, uh, we, we are obsessed with kind of finding that default, that archetype, like, if you're a good, successful person, then you should look like this. You should be like this. You should act like this. Okay. Um, I'm in this room. I'm in a unique position where as a woman, I am not the default, right? Mm. <laughs> like, like oh, yeah. half the population is female. We shouldn't think this way, but we do. Even in the church, we often do. It's like, okay, the the best leaders or the most spiritual people or whatever is like, uh, Caucasian man, etc. There's like there's a list of attributes, and if you're not if you're not born with those attributes, then you're immediately, if not less than like oh, like kind of to the side, like you're like a you're a bonus, you're sort of out there. And I remember again a very well-meaning, another well-meaning Bible teacher I had. We talked about uh, Judges, mm-hmm. the first few chapters of Judges, and there's uh, there is. Um, Deborah, of course, we all know, like the female judge, and then there's Ehud, who's uh, he's kind of he's got a gross story. Kids don't read that story about him, but but he's left-handed, okay? Like that's a that's mentioned that he's left-handed, and this very well-meaning Bible teacher said that these passages teach us that God can work through anyone, even women and left-handed people. I'm left-handed. <laughs> So that, like that. Wow. Mess- so it's like specifically Jackie. It's like, spe- like God, w- uh, like imp- implicitly God would prefer to work through very able-bodied male people, but he can even work through left-handed <laughs> and women people. So, so like that, that just, again, it was well, it was well intended. It didn't really hurt my feelings, but it stuck so deep in my brain of like, are, are we created differently mm. in our again, in our richness and variety as, like, n- Kelly, you are not, like, any sort of archetype of this or that. And that's good. That everything you bring to the table, God created you so that only you can be Kelly. Only you bring those exact things to the table. Adam, only you bring those exact things to the table. Only I bring these things. That, that God created us in our variety uh, as a beautiful thing. Not as, well, there's this ideal, and we're somewhat deviated from the ideal. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that word permission because, because it, 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 gives, it gives hope that I wasn't just born the wrong gender. 
frankly. I wasn't just born with the wrong set of personality traits. I'm not, you wouldn't be able to tell when you see me preaching, I guess, but, but I'm, I'm naturally very shy and introverted. And so I, I've thought many times like, man, if I could just be outgoing and dynamic and like those, those people, people, if I could just be like that, that would be so ideal. If I could just be a morning person, if I could just be a journaler, whatever, whatever the supposed archetype is that I'm not any of those things. And it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful that God made each and every one of us with love and care to absolutely to walk alongside Jesus and to, to look to him and to, to accept, accept his power and authority in our lives, but that we can also be us. Like in, in Tangled, there's nobody like Rapunzel. She's got this crazy personality. Everyone in that uh, fine establishment <laughs> that you mentioned earlier, uh, everyone there, like they're told, it's like a tapestry and it's never for, it's never once portrayed as like, you need to be a certain way to really be a full person that we are, we are who we are because we are beautiful because we're a tapestry, because we're all created differently individually. Love it. I love it. Now Kelly's going to make me try to follow that brilliance with Oh, yeah, you first, man. Sacrificial lamb up in this. (laughs) Thanks. You're welcome. Okay, well, I guess I need to start by saying, you know, the teacher did not say left-handed women. Left-handed or women. He said or, so I'm probably... I mean, I don't know. Correct her (laughs) five-year-old self. That's like getting taught this awful, awful stuff. (laughs) I'm so sorry you had this traumatic experience. Let me me poke it (laughs) with a stick. Let me make it worse. Can I make this worse? (laughs) So one of the things that, that, that all of this is really resonating in me with is a line from uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Um, he's talking about what it means to be in Christ and the concept that um, the goal for the Christian isn't to follow a set of rules or to believe the right thing. It's to become like Christ. Mm-hmm. And... The, the temptation for us is to think that as we become more and more like Christ, we'll all become homogenized. Yeah. And C.S. Lewis says the exact opposite happens, mm-hmm. that the more like Christ we become, the more unique and different and like ourselves we become because then we stop trying to pretend. Yeah. We stop trying to live into fake identities. And all we're responsible for is merely being who we are. That's my final word of brilliance. Good luck, Kelly. That's good. I'm making faces at Adam, (laughs) and my eyes are getting stuck that way. Shout out, Mom. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, Jackie, thank you so much for being here. This, This was, your message was fantastic today, and... For a podcast, for this to be the first one, this was this was great. I High told you, bar. I told yeah. you, I can nerd out about <laughs> this theology. Is so to <laughs> this is so good. So, uh, I guess my my closing thoughts would be this: is I um, so so not just working with youth, but with people in general. Uh, so permission's like a big thing for me, uh, and uh, so this is something I bring back all the way back to Genesis three. Uh, it's after they get caught and they hide from God, and then uh, typically, if you ask people this. 
they'll just say like the narrative of Genesis is it's created, they mess it up, God kicks them out. And that's pretty much what people remember. What they don't remember is that after Adam and Eve come out of hiding and God says what happened and Adam says we hid because we were naked and we were afraid, God's first response to them is not wrath, it's not anger, it's not, it's that of a parent who's seen children who have literally shifted because somebody did something to them that they shouldn't have done. And God says, who told you? And so in the spirit of our conversation, the spirit of your message today, and even in the spirit of Rapunzel, because I think it all like attaches, right, is uh, for listeners who are listening to this and even for that, us at this table, when those doubts and those lines of thought kind of creep in, I think that's a really good question to ask. Who told me? Mm. Where did this come from? And, and also encouragement. That's a really hard question to ask yourself because the answers sometimes are not good ones. Yeah. They're very painful. They're very difficult. Uh, you emulated this for us a little bit of you're not allowed to be female and left-handed and do anything good, apparently. Uh, yeah. but, but let's be real for a sec. That's a memory from years ago. You are a successful female clergy that is left-handed. You are a wonderful spouse. You are a wonderful colleague. You are a wonderful friend. You have raised... You are raising three wonderful kids. Uh, your husband needs some work. He's kind of like Flynn Rider. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Chris. I love you. You're a great person. And Chris is fantastic, by the way. Y'all need Chris to meet awesome. him. Um, but uh, you brought up a memory from years ago very clearly. Uh-huh. And it's a, well, who told me? Yeah. And so I think as we're kind of closing this up, um, just like Rapunzel learned, well, Rapunzel learned who told her. It was Mother Gothel. Mother Gothel was very adamant on, well, this is who you are, and this is what you're worth, and this is all the, all the problems you have. Um, be brave enough to ask yourself, who told me? Mm-hmm. And then secondly, run to Jesus. Because mm-hmm. Jesus is not telling you that. Mm. Mm. Amen. That's good. Amen. And in closing, Jackie Lorette. Wait, what, so I'm supposed to pull out my notes and give anything else? Yeah, well, she totally I, has notes. I do remember, I do remember one thing that I wish had made it into the sermon. Okay, that was one of those moments. Um, because I talked, I think I talked about uh, the greatest commandment, like that Jesus says, love God with everything you have, love your neighbor as yourself. I think, uh, once again, I think that this question of identity has so many implications in all, all areas of scripture and life as we've seen. But uh, I've been thinking especially on the implications that it has on loving our neighbor. Because, again, to, to go back to kind of that, um, that older mentality that I had where we're, we're all garbage, but, like, if we say a prayer, then Jesus saves us, then we're okay, right? So I was thinking, what implications does that have of how we treat our unsaved neighbor? Mm. What, do we think of, what do we think of someone? Do we believe they're, they're garbage, because that oftentimes like that's what our fear and our shame leads us to to lash out and and not be Christ-like and not be loving because we've got all the way at core we have that belief of like people are just junk and then you know Jesus makes us a little bit better right that again that pernicious lie yeah. that has so many implications on how I treat my neighbor however if i start with i and you were created in the very image of god 
that's going to have implications. Even if we disagree, even if we disagree about important stuff, like you and I were talking about earlier, there's so many important things to discuss and fight over and disagree with and, and come to grips on. But if I look at you and I see the image of God in you, that's, that's going to be powerful. That's going to, that's going to change how I understand you as my neighbor. That's going to change how I treat you as my neighbor. So, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, identity. It's like, it has everything from how you love your neighbor, how you see God, to how do, how do you feel um, permitted to exist in the world. Pastor Jackie, would you close us in prayer? I would love to. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for creating us in your image to love and be loved. We thank you that when we turn away and our love fail, you remain steadfast. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this continued message, not only in Scripture, in the Word of God, but emblazoned all over our world, these reminders that you are a good and faithful God. I pray that you would give us compassion and strength Fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to live out that love. Help us to live without shame and without fear. Help us to love one another. Help us to love you with everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 See you all in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.